What does LinkedIn Digital Scorecard Risk and Resiliency in the Supply Chain have in common? Resilink, Bindia speaks to me on Season 2, Episode 6, about the amazing things they are doing in supply chain and how she decided to start her own company. In our Woman in Supply Chain series, Part 4, you're not going to want to miss this episode. She provides so much really, really great information about, you know, the digital scorecard, risk and resiliency. So make sure to check out Season 2, Episode 6. Welcome to Let's Talk Supply Chain. My name is Sarah Barnes-Humphrey, and each week I bring you the top supply chain professionals in the industry. You will learn about best practices, new innovation, and most up-to-date information about supply chain. I believe that collaboration is the future of business, and I have designed this show to ensure you have all the information you need to succeed in business and in your supply chain. Hello to all the Let's Talk listeners and welcome back to the show. Season two has been amazing so far and I have some amazing guests and new episodes coming your way. So keep listening. Here's our review of the week. This review comes from Roger at Yuri Cabby, and we appreciate you listening to the show and sending us this review. He has to say, the show with Chris Lee was a worthwhile use of my time, and thank you for hosting. Well, thank you, Roger, for taking the time. Um, the title of his email actually was, we love your show. So if anybody wants to go and listen to Chris Lee's episode, it is season two, episode two, and Thank you again, Roger. We could not bring this podcast to you without the support of our community, and that includes our sponsors. Border Buddy approached me to sponsor the podcast, and I thought it was a no-brainer because I love what they are doing and how they are disrupting the industry. Border Buddy is taking a modern, fresh approach to clearing goods. I have been I have been in the industry for over 20 years, and I have never seen anything like this before. Guys, our industry is changing right before our eyes, and Border Buddy is who you will want on your side, as they are forward-thinking and do amazing things like integrate with your online platforms, including Shopify and eBay. Plus, they can clear and help you import your personal shipments as well. Whether you are in the U.S. or Canada, Border Buddy is your only choice for a partner when you import to North America. Visit them at borderbuddy.com for more information. Today, we are talking about blockchain and how it could be the solution to the regulatory oversights in the Canada supply chain with Mike from Greenstream. Mike Cohen is a computer engineer dedicated to the architecture of distributed systems and computational trust models. His drive to decentralize the web's infrastructures and to better the current state of the internet, combined with his early exposure to cryptocurrency technologies like Bitcoin and Ethereum, led him to co-found the BlockSense co-op in late 2016. This organization reaches, or sorry, researches and develops applications of distributed distributed ledger technologies. 
He and his team have worked directly on various blockchain product projects, including an access control management platform for physical spaces, a digital rights management and royalty distribution system, allowing the resale of eBooks, a personal information marketplace for users of a self-sovereign identity and an online video advertising protocol to combat ad fraud. Currently, he devotes most of his time to building the green stream network, a consortium blockchain for participants of the Canadian legal cannabis industry that ensures regulatory compliance of transactions and exchanges through the supply chain. Welcome to the show, Mike. Hi, uh, thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure being here. Yeah, awesome. So blockchain is the talk of this industry these days. So, So let's start with an explanation of what blockchain actually is. Well, uh, yeah, that's a million dollar question, right? So uh, it's a few things. And fundamentally, uh, blockchain isn't anything really new in computer science, at least not individually, but it's kind of a, a combination of, of a few things that, uh, that makes blockchain networks novel. So firstly, it's a peer-to-peer network. Uh, so it's a way of uh, connecting computers together. Secondly, it is a structured way of organizing information. So it's uh, a, a data structure. And um, the third component is a consensus algorithm or, or a predefined set of rules um, that is designed to consistently reach agreement uh, between participants despite you know, potentially having bad actors as those participants or people who are adversarial. Um, and so in a blockchain and like what consultants nowadays call distributed letter, ledger technology, uh, the participants in, in this network are charged with maintaining a record of, of the events that occur and uh, to record the, uh, the data in this record, we can only append and never remove or alter information that, that, that is added. And so prior to appending the information, uh, the participants have to reach an agreement on the validity of uh, what they're going to add in and the order in which it arrives. So it's kind of like taking a snapshot uh, in time of, uh, of what has occurred, and you have to do that over and over again at regular intervals. So it's like etching stuff in stone. Um, it's uh, yeah. So the the best part really of uh, of getting these snapshots or blocks uh, is that what we agree upon stays there forever. And because all of these snapshots are linked or or change the one that came before them and the ones that are going to come after them, uh, there's a tight dependence between all of these blocks so that if one is ever corrupted or or, uh, modified, the chain appears broken and it's very quick to identify. So that's, that's all a blockchain does. That's, you know, the, the gist of it. Um, and the fundamental thing that these new systems allow is for a group of people or organizations and business partners or, or potentially competitors even is to, to agree on a single version of events uh, on which to operate from. And 
to revert to in the event of a dispute. So um, all of this is done directly amongst these participants, and it, we don't need to bring in uh, a trusted intermediary to allow all these people to transact. So basically that's what, you know, in financial transactions, that's what a, a bank has done over time. They are the intermediary uh, uh, through which you transact. Well, now you can do it uh, without that intermediary. Awesome. Awesome. That was a really good explanation. I mean, there's a lot of different things out there about blockchain and, and people talking about blockchain, and, and that was a very good one. So before we get into a little bit more about blockchain and what you guys are doing in the cannabis supply chain space with blockchain, why don't you tell us about Greenstream and what it is that you guys do? Sure. So, uh, well, I'm a systems engineer at Greenstream, and what uh, Greenstream's goal is to become a, a consortium network, a uh, consortium blockchain for all the participants in Canada's legal cannabis uh, economy so that we provide the, them with a framework to transact in a way that is compliant with regulation and that ensures tax remittance and prevents uh, the infiltration of, of illicit goods into the supply chain. Um, so we do this in three ways. Uh, first of which being supply chain metric integrity. Uh, the second is becoming an identity issuer. And the third, and I think most important of all, is becoming a payment gateway uh, for all these, these actors in the industry. And uh, by being uh, an external integrity verifier of supply chain information, we're not trying to build a better mousetrap, right? There's lots of existing supply chain uh, management software providers, and uh, they offer solutions with sensor networks and barcode scanners and RFID chips and all sorts of stuff that, that you know, maintains... Uh, a record of all the events that occur from in the cannabis industry, what they call seed to sale, right? Um, the issue is that all of these solutions are siloed and none of them really talk to each other. They're proprietary software solutions. And uh, what Greenstream is doing is kind of creating a reporting standard that uh, timestamps and, and points to the events that occur across these different software solutions, uh, these different SCM providers, and it would allow them to communicate with each other, or at least to get a, a global view of what's occurred. And uh, the stakeholders uh, in the cannabis industry like the, the licensed producers, the logistics and transport people, the material upgraders, dispensaries, all, you know, even the consumers, um, they don't want to be locked in with a specific vendor, right? It would be crazy to expect a dispensary to only deal with one specific licensed producer that uses uh, the same supply chain management software as them. Uh, or alternatively being stuck using lots of different point of sale systems in a store to allow seed to sale tracking because 
you want to be dealing with multiple uh, providers of, of goods, right? So um, we're kind of the talking piece uh, across all of those uh, different solutions. And we're also employing self-sovereign identity mechanisms so that we can verifiably tie transactions to particular entities or individuals. Um, but these identities actually don't need, because they're blockchain identities of this like new concept of, of self-sovereign identity, you don't actually need to retain their personal identifying information. So, you know, what we saw happen with, with that Equifax breach over the summer, all of the identity of those uh, people who had records at Equifax, those were leaked, unfortunately. Um, we wouldn't be retaining any of this information. And in fact, just today there was a, um, I don't know if it was a ruling or what it was, but there's this uh, Canadian PIPEDA uh, regulation. It's like uh, sort of analogous to what they have in Europe called the GDPR, um, which is uh, regulation regarding, you know, the, the uh, liability that com companies hold when they retain personal information. So we're kind of de-risking uh, all the uh, people that would typically have to hold that information. And finally, the way that we're trying to bring more people on board or more industry actors on board is by uh, becoming uh, a payment gateway to traditional financial institutions um, so that these new types of businesses that are you know, considered a high-risk transaction because we're dealing with cannabis at the end of the day, um, we can guarantee that they obey all the laws uh, with respect to, you know, the financial institution that they're going to be dealing with because they don't want to deal with, uh, with criminals, obviously. And in, in, in the event of them accepting their money, their friends, funds might be locked. So those are sort of the, the issues that we hit on. Um, and, you know, I'm happy to go more in depth on, how Greenstream works, but and it, was, it wasn't the briefest of intros, but, um, you know, I'm sure we'll get to it throughout the conversation. Yeah, no, 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 that's good. And can what you're doing, can that be applied to, you know, other sectors of supply chain? I mean, I know today we're talking about cannabis, but can it, can it be used in, in other areas? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, you know, the, the reason we targeted cannabis first, um, other than, you know, there being a lot of interest in the industry, is because this hasn't really been done before. There aren't big incumbents in the industry yet, right? Like, if we were to try and, and wedge a blockchain solution into you know, softwood lumber or fisheries or whatever other industry, there's a set way of doing things already uh, in those sectors. Whereas, you know, everything remains to be done in cannabis. There's a lot of, of uh, new solutions coming on, but because it's a brand new industry and because Canada is adopting this, you know, federal um legalization approach, uh, we're, we're, uh, doing that first, but down the line, you know, it could track, 
uh, anything, especially with relating to, um, to products that have a, a high likelihood of, of contraband or, or diversion. Yeah. Or even theft or, or, you know, high, high risk, I guess, um, items or maybe even consumer goods. So, um, we're going to be talking a little bit about this, this industry, you know, um, just for our listeners sake, Greenstream has, uh, given us a free download, um, on this topic and, and it's going to cover a lot of the subjects that we're going to be talking about today. So if you want more information, uh, that'll be on the website on season two, episode seven. So what is the state of the Canadian marijuana industry right now? Um, well, it's booming. <laughs> There's lots of activity. Uh, from, you know, commercial and political interests. There's businesses popping up every day. There's uh, tons of new regulatory announcements all the time as well. Um, there's already some industry giants even, uh, especially on the growing side of things. And lots of those guys are, are backed by capital market money. Um, and there's lots of also, you know, smaller players that are trying to uh, get in and lots of, businesses that are operating kind of in a limbo area that are being tolerated now. And what I'm referring to is a lot of the unlicensed dispensaries that you see in Toronto or in Vancouver, guys that don't necessarily have a license, but the police are kind of turning a blind eye because, you know, this down the line will be okay. Um, Right. And is that, um, is that what you call the gray market? I, that sort of takes me into my next question because you talk about the gray market and I, I just want to know for our listeners what exactly that is. Yeah. So the, I mean, the gray market is what happens when the black market finds a way to infiltrate legal sales channels, right? And they, they divert funds from what are seemingly legitimate businesses. Um, and we saw this years ago in contraband cigarettes, right? There were uh, cartons of cigarettes and, and fake, but really convincing packaging, finding their way in convenience stores. Um, and the cannabis gray market already exists because what we were saying a moment ago, a lot of those unlicensed dispensaries can't procure their goods from um the licensed producers often because the only legal way right now for um, LPs to sell to consumers is to have what's called an ACMPR uh, license uh, access to cannabis for medical purposes. Um, now that's likely going to change. Recreational cannabis is going to be legal in Canada uh, soon, but in the meantime, there is this black market that exists uh, that's been very well financed over the years and, and that uh, it's not going anywhere, especially, you know, when you consider that the demand is there, uh, the supply, albeit illegal, is there. It, it, it's foolish to think that these people that have been uh, operating for years are going to stop because some new laws were put into place, especially ones that kind of make it more legal. You know, and, and when you consider that these uh, black market people are not subject to the same regulatory pressures that, that the legal actors are, uh, they don't need to build, you know, a Fort Knox-like facility to uh, 
to secure their grow up. They don't have fancy camera systems or, or employees with background checks and compliance officers and all that stuff. And, and the least of which they don't pay taxes either. Right. So, um, having those people kind of get phased out, I think is going to be uh, a very difficult task. And that's sort of what uh, Greenstream is targeting by, uh, trying to fix the cash issue first. Okay. So, um, my next question for you is, you know, can, can cannabis be imported or is the product for distribution only going to be sourced locally? Well, right now there are ways to import cannabis into Canada, but they're strictly for medical research purposes. There's no intention to import for resale. However, Canada does export cannabis to the rest of the world. We sell cannabis to Australia and Germany and Israel and all sorts of other countries. Um, so I think it would be a little hypocritical of uh, the federal government to say that you know, we're allowed to sell cannabis all over the world, but we're not allowed to bring it in. And there's lots of reasons why you would want to import cannabis because there are many different strains all over the world that may never be replicatable uh, in an indoor grow facility in Canada. Um, so that regulation is still kind of up in the air, and, and I know that uh, a lot of people are, are looking at it, but uh, I, you know, beyond that, I, I don't think it's been clearly defined. Okay, so it'll be interesting to see then. So, you know, sort of going back to the gray market, I guess still on that topic of, of import, how is the federal government looking to solve that problem of, you know, pushing out maybe the, the black market and things like that? So the federal government's really controlling the uh, production side of things, and they're the ones issuing licenses to grow. Uh, but they're also the ones who have come up with the guidelines for provinces to regulate the uh, sale and distribution um, internally for, for the cannabis industry. So they've kind of passed that buck along. But uh, that means that there's, you know, 13 sets of rules that are going to differ from province to province and territories. Um, so a lot of those rules will have, you know, different advantages and disadvantages, and they're not all going to be ready at the same time. And a lot of these rules are still being discussed. But uh, even after they're adopted, it's going to be, uh, likely that they're going to have to be amended because the way that these regulations are applied in the real world is probably going to differ from the way that they were thought up uh, in Parliament first, right? So um, specifically, though, what, what the feds intend to do on the uh, production side and the way that they want to uh, exert control over the license holders is through lots of regular inspections, which uh, has to happen with boots on the ground, with inspectors you know, going around and doing regular audits. And from Greenstream's perspective, you know, unsustainable. It's great because it'll probably create lots of jobs or out-of-work mailmen, I guess. But, uh, but it, it doesn't really solve um, 
the, the obviously the problem of the corrupt sector, right? It's uh, it's going to be a very lucrative industry, and it'll be probably very lucrative to uh, lie about things that you didn't really see, um, and it's going to be very difficult to monitor because you can't be everywhere all the time. However, a blockchain can be everywhere all the time. So that's uh, kind of what we're targeting, and we're hopefully going to make the, the jobs of those inspectors and auditors a lot uh, simpler to perform and, and, and quicker to uh, come to a resolution. Interesting. So then we're talking about, you know, your blockchain technology. Um, and in the download, our listeners will see that you're talking about blockchain technology and a decentralized approach. So how is that a good solution to this problem? Well, so first of all, the stakeholders in this industry are known, right? And they're probably not going to change. You're always going to have cannabis growers and, and uh, distribution people and people that change those raw materials into uh, different goods and the retailers. So those actors are defined except the rules with which they transact may differ over time. So what we're doing is kind of building a, a modular framework for um, all of those stakeholders to interact. Um, but we also have, you know, very serious, uh, privacy concerns to, uh, to address. Um, and this is why a blockchain network is a good solution. It's kind of like, you know, I'm assuming if you're, you're in the supply chain industry, you must be very familiar with, with enterprise resource planning software. Um, the ERPs, typically are for one company or for a limited set of partners that, that you interact with, we're kind of becoming an ERP of ERPs, right? Like a, a, um, an enterprise resource planner planner. <laughs> so uh, that's where all of this information would be gathered, right? The, the information that exists in many different sources, uh, supply chain management software solutions uh, would be uh, aggregated on, on uh, our network and, uh, and we would be able to go across those different uh, or interoperate with the, those different uh, solutions. So can you paint a picture of it uh, for our listeners? Um, you know, one of the major challenges, like what is one of the major challenges in the cannabis supply chain right now? And um, yeah, if you could just paint a picture maybe of how that technology will solve maybe just that one problem. Well, yeah, that's a very good point because, you know, you have to put this in context and one of the first things that we identified, and that's sort of why we're tackling uh, the payment gateway first, um, is that, you know, assume that you have a perfect seed to sale supply chain management tracking system, right? Um, every single step in the process is monitored uh, and is auditable, but the moment that at a retailer, you uh, start handing away goods and taking cash in, it becomes very simple to 
make those interactions disappear, make those transactions uh, disappear. So we essentially, you know, if you were to walk into a dispensary and, and the retailer opens up a jar and gives you what is essentially an untraceable good, cannabis, no serial number on it, and he takes cash over the counter, um, he can then go and with that cash purchase uh, illicitly grown goods and top up his inventory. So it seems as though, you know, if an inspector were to show up 10 minutes later, that inventory was legally purchased. However, you know, that transaction disappeared. You've brought in illegal goods uh, into uh, a licensed dispensary. You now can't track the source of those goods. You haven't paid taxes on those goods. And that retailer can do that over and over and over again, um, essentially lying about uh, their inventory and their sales and their accounting and all that stuff. So that's one of uh, the major issues that, that we see needs tackling and that hasn't really been addressed to, to our mind properly. Um, and, you know, the main objective of the, uh, Canada legalizing uh, recreational cannabis is obviously to collect taxes, right? There's a lot of medicinal benefits and lots of other fringe reasons why it's a great idea, but really it's an excellent vice to tax and it's a massive industry that has never paid a dime in, um, in, in taxes to uh to Revenue Canada. So that's, uh, that's the problem that we're trying to address. Yeah, I really like that example because you really sort of broke it down into something tangible that people can really visualize and, and get a good idea and good sense of, you know, where that major problem lies, um, why it's a major problem, and um, how it can be solved. So we talk about the blockchain, but within the blockchain, there's all sorts of data that comes with it. So what type of data will come from your platform and how can it be used to help regulate the industry? Well, essentially, you know, if I were to give you a, a, an alternative example, again, right, the, the information that we gather uh, on top of our financial transactions is, is greater than what typical payment processors uh, would, right? So, for example, if you were to go to the grocery store and you'd buy, I don't know, milk and eggs and, and bread and whatever else, um, all you see on your bank statement uh, at the end of the month is that you spent, you know, 50 bucks at Loblaws, but it doesn't have the granularity of that invoice. It doesn't say that you bought milk and bread and whatever else, right? We are actually tying all of that information uh, to every financial transaction. And beyond just the invoice at the dispensary, tying the information back to where those goods came from, uh, whose hands they touched, uh, how long they took to get there, and all the other supply chain information that the other software providers are keeping track of. Again, you know, that's not the business that we're in is not uh, analyzing or keeping track of all this information. It's just making sure that all of it connects. Um, so 
that's the type of information that we'll be able to gather and that we'll be able to uh, present to an auditor when they come in and say, okay, well, are you dispensary ABC or uh, licensed producer XYZ? Have you been abiding by all the laws? They can kind of show this record and show that it's never been tampered with that, uh, or in the event that it has been tampered with, we can trace it back to exactly when that happened. So it's very valuable to the regulator and it's very valuable to the, the participant in the industry, uh, whatever vertical they're in, because they don't want to get nailed, right? They want to keep their license uh, and they want to stay in business for as long as possible because it's very costly to enter this market and uh, they want to make sure that uh, nothing bad happens. So who is your customer then? Is it the government or is it dispensaries or, or who would be somebody that would, that would be um, wanting your platform? So, yeah, that's a, you know, like I mentioned earlier, we're, we're a consortium network, right? So the very nature of what we do, everybody is our customer from the, um, the consumer, right? Like the guy walking into a store to, to buy uh, cannabis all the way up to the revenue agency and the regulator and everybody in between. Uh, everybody is our, our uh, customer and we are a, a transactional um, revenue generating business. And we do that because everybody's our customer. We do that uh, with a, significantly lower transaction fee than what traditional payment processors can provide uh, because, you know, Visa, MasterCard, Amex, and the intermediaries that, that they go between to uh, provide their services, debit cards as well, uh, they charge what are called interchange costs. And those are significant every time you enter and exit out of a financial institution, right? Every time you go and settle, um, you pay that transaction fee. So to the industry participant, to the, say, licensed producer or dispensary, the longer they transact in the Greenstream network, the lower those fees are because they don't actually have to get hit with the larger visa and, and, and et cetera uh, interchange costs uh, as frequently. Interesting. Interesting. So is it going to be, I guess, sorry, is it going to be sort of a platform that you kind of log into or is it an app or? Well, it'll be, so on the consumer side, uh, at first we're targeting an app, but eventually maybe even uh, a payment card. Um, and on the, uh, the, side of the industry stakeholders, the, the licensed producers and dispensaries and, and everybody else, it'll be pretty much seamless because it'll integrate with whatever solution they have now to manage their inventory and deal with their accounting, uh, kind of like a, a QuickBooks extension that deals with payments, I guess. Okay. Very, very cool. So you have written, uh, recently written to the government about your proposed solutions. And I'm really interested to see what their response has been. Can you tell us a little bit about that? 
Sure. Well, I mean, the response was positive, obviously, because we've highlighted issues that I guess they've been thinking about, but they haven't necessarily uh, drafted. And and we have uh, policy advisors that uh, communicate with them regularly, uh, or at least, you know, basically are aware of the latest trends. But we're not going after regulators first, even though this is kind of a very beneficial technology to the regulator, um, mainly because governments are very slow to react and because there's 13 different ones in Canada we're going to have to deal with, right? So it's uh, a lot of legwork. And that's why we're going after the industry first uh, and trying to get them to adopt best practices uh, for the way they operate so that, you know, eventually when regulators do wake up and say that, oh, we should probably use blockchain for this, um, the industry will already be on board, right? So um, get the people who it matters the most to to, uh, to jump on so that, they can appear completely beyond reproach uh, when regulation comes into effect uh, if it swings our way. Yeah, and are you getting some positive feedback, I guess, then from the industry as well? Or yeah. is it more of an education process? What does that look like? Well, we, I mean, obviously, there. Um, it's hard to understand too. And it's kind of a tall order to say, we want to do everything for everybody, <laughs> but, um, but they're very receptive and they realize that this is an issue, especially on the payment side, because traditionally these people have had uh, a hell of a time dealing with financial institutions. Uh, for a long time, they were very difficult for them to even get bank accounts. Uh, they've, sometimes dealt only in cash. Uh, you know, it, it's uh, a pain point that uh, they have and that we're addressing. And that's why uh, very shortly we're going to be rolling out as like the first phase of, uh, of our deployment is the, the payment gateway. And we'll have a, a few uh, beta users um, to, to bring on board, which are industry stakeholders. Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's really, really exciting. Um, so if blockchain for some reason is not adopted, like I understand that you're getting some good feedback and things like that, but what is your fear if blockchain is not adopted in the cannabis supply chain? Like what could happen? Um, well, I mean, it's just going to be longer and more tedious and complicated to operate. And it's, it would be a shame because, you know, Canada has this massive opportunity to do things right the first time. Uh, and we want to make sure that, uh, a, a blockchain network is part of that solution. But really, I think in the long term, I'm not terribly fearful that some sort of blockchain solution uh, will be adopted because it's kind of, or at least in my mind, the logical, the most logical approach. Um, the fear that I do have is that maybe Greenstream won't be it. You know, like I can't, I can't be so brazen as to think that will will definitely be uh, the solution adopted. Uh, I think it's safe to say that a solution like ours will likely be it. Um, and, you know, that remains to be seen. Hopefully uh, 
Greenstream will uh, will be able to, to handle it. Um, but I think blockchain's got a pretty fair shake at this. Yeah, and I think I think you know what you guys have and the knowledge that you have and, and what you're doing in the industry is is pretty great. I mean, I'm I'm guessing you do have some competitors out there, um, but you're right; they only really have one shot at this. And if they don't do it right from the get go, it's really going to take a long time to um, get it right, you know, and um, make sure that it's a successful thing for Canada. And they're really kind of on the world stage right now, right? Like they're they're um, people are people are taking a look, they're taking notice, and um, they're seeing what we're going to do. Yeah, well, definitely. This is actually, uh, you know, you were, we were talking about exporting cannabis. We could actually export this solution, right? Like there's lots of other areas, uh, of the world that are looking to legalize cannabis. Uh, the America, you know, has these same issues. It's legal in, uh, lots of different states. It's not legal federally. There's lots of varying regulation from state to state. There's many other countries and, Canada is taking sort of a leadership position in this, and we're the first to take the the entire problem on, right? The, from from uh, beginning to end, and and countrywide. So, if this gets done right here, uh, hopefully, we can bring it to the rest of the world. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so before we wind this down, what's next for Greenstream? Right. Well, you know, lots of stuff. So in the long term, like I was just saying, you know, we'd love to be able to export the solution. So like going to California and Colorado and Washington State and all those different places is really interesting. Um, and there's also lots of other industries altogether that we could we could attack. Right. Like we said earlier that the any industry that is it has issues with, with uh, contraband merchandise or, or high-value items or, or risks of theft, um, much of this solution is repurposable. Just replace the word cannabis with any other uh, type of good that is faced with similar issues, and you know we have a cut-and-paste solution. Uh, but in the much shorter-term uh you know, we have a rollout uh, of this this uh, payment gateway piece that uh, we're building and testing as we speak, and uh, that should be re- ready by actually late April, early May. So maybe by the time this uh, podcast uh, is out, we'll be live or at least in, in beta. And we need to sign up more industry um, participants, more stakeholders, and, and uh, you know the, the, we're doing a lot of that business development work uh, now. Awesome, awesome. Well, that's you know that's really exciting, and you're right. A lot of this technology can be transferable, and it'll be interesting to see what happens. So, I wish you all the best of success um, with this and and with the rollout and and especially on the cannabis side to sort of see where this is going and and hopefully that your um, solution is, you know, obviously adopted. And um, it sounds like you guys are creating amazing things, um, not only for cannabis, but for supply chain in general. So all the best with that. So still so many questions and unknowns in regards to the legalization and how cannabis will be distributed 
distributed and moved safely to consumers, not only in our country, but globally as Canada becomes an export front runner. Thank you, Mike, for coming on the show. Connect with him on LinkedIn. Plus, we will have some free downloads and more information about Mike and Greenstream at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash season two dash episode seven. Check out Greenstream's website at greenstream.tech for more information as well. So thank you so much again, Mike, for coming on the show. Thanks a lot. It was a really great opportunity. It was a great talking to you there. I'm glad we got our first glimpse into blockchain on this show and how it is being used in supply chain. I will be interviewing more experts about blockchain in episodes to come because I feel like it is a major disruptor and even some of the people talking about blockchain don't really know what they're talking about. So actually, a few episodes from now, I'm going to have a blockchain certified expert coming on the show just to, you know, narrow it down for us, talk a little bit more about what blockchain really is and how it can be used in different aspects of the supply chain. If you want more information about the cannabis supply chain, check out episode 66 with Dan Demers at letstalksupplychain.com forward slash episode dash 66. He talks about the regulatory um, issues and challenges around the legalization of cannabis that's coming up in Canada and Canada. Next time on the show, our Women in Supply Chain series is back. I am interviewing the owner of Morai Logistics about the benefits of women and millennials in supply chain. If you haven't already, make sure to go to ships.com, shipz.com, and register for information about my new platform. We have built our board of advisors and are now staring down the path of an ICO. Oh, and I will be a speaker at the new online cargo transportation master the game summit, which is running from April 16th. And you will hear from a new speaker every single day. So go to transportnexus.org forward slash Sarah, or I have it listed on my site at Let's Talk Supply Chain on the homepage. Go and register for this amazing event. It's going to run for 21 days. And again, you're going to hear from experts in the industry about different aspects about how you can cut costs, how you can save money and how you can be more profitable, whether you're an importer, you're a shipper or a logistics company. Thank you for tuning in each week. Please rate us and review us on iTunes so others can find us. We are all also available on Stitcher and Google Play if you are Android users. Have an amazing day, everybody. Again, thank you for listening. And remember, ship happens. Ship happens.